Welcome to The Stellar Woman Show, the podcast, magazine, and video hosted by Stella Olivia Kikoyo. Each week, Stella will be bringing you a guest or a segment from The Stellar Woman magazine, whose mission is to spread thriving global women's stories, expert knowledge, and experiences covering mind, body, and spirit, fashion and beauty, money, business, and leadership, so that you too can be inspired, learn, be empowered, and thrive. Since knowledge is potential power, our aim is to spread it like light from one woman to another, which we believe will help to bring about change in perspectives and create new possibilities for all women to learn, be empowered, and thrive. We know if one woman thrives, her family and community thrive too, and the world becomes a better and brighter world. With over 100 interviews and stories, articles, videos, surveys, real life and business lessons and trainings, we believe that there's no better women's classroom as the Stellar Woman Show and Magazine. Stella and her guests will be exploring how they started, the dreams realized and unrealized, aspirations, the steps taken, the challenges, failures, lessons learned, decision-making process, and what made them successful, and the stellar woman that they are. For more information, check out the website, www.stellarwomanmag.com. Now, here's your host, Stella Olivia Kikoyo. Hello, welcome everyone to the Stella Woman Magazine and the Stella Woman Show, this show that brings you thriving women's stories, knowledge and experiences so that you too can tap, learn one or two things, be inspired, make a change and thrive in your life. We know that knowledge is power, of course, if it is acted upon. And we're here to move knowledge from one woman to another across the globe. It is, in one way or another, a means in which we shall be able to change the world, change perspectives, reveal possibilities, and enable women to tap into their potential, maximize it, and thrive. We know that in this way, we shall be transferring light and the world needs light. In this way, we shall be making the world a better and a brighter world. So my name is Stella Olivia Kikoyo, and I'm the editor-in-chief of the Stella Woman magazine and the host of the Stella Woman show. So this particular theme and show is about striving for excellence. Don't we all want to strive for excellence? Yes. And for today, we are thrilled and privileged to have an audience of a special woman all the way from nowhere. We are so thrilled to see you here. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you, Stella. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. So today we have Karen Spence, and Karen is the president of BI Innovation Business School. And we are going to learn about what she does, how she, did she get there, first of all, and how did she do what she does? So uh, BI is one of the top globally recognized best executive educational schools in the world, that is across the globe. And they've just been celebrating 80 years, 80 years. So we are going to definitely learn how they manage to do what they do, how Karen does what she does and how she leads her team to excellence so that we can tap into that knowledge and utilize it in our lives, our businesses and also our professions. So uh, Karen, we are very honored again to welcome you to this show. We want to know, first of all, who's Karen Spence, apart from knowing that you're the president of BI School, we don't know so much about you and you have so many hidden things that we want to learn about you. And what is your backstory? So first of all, again, Stella, thanks for inviting me. It's, it's my pleasure to be here today to talk to you about these things. And, you know, one of the things is, of course, also um, when women are want to move forward, I think one of the things that we really think about is, you know, do I dare to take that challenge? And I have to say one of the things that I did was I took the challenge of doing something completely new. And I moved to Norway from Finland. 
So I am a Finnish citizen and I've lived in Finland most of my life. So moving to Norway was truly exciting and of course also a challenge at the same time. But I do have experience. I uh, Before I started as the president I, uh, at BI, I was the rector at Hunken School of Economics in Helsinki in Finland. Before that, I worked as the dean of education. So one of the things I do burn for is, of course, the teaching and learning and students. Um, so that made you know, that made my life easy in terms of thinking about actually moving over to BI because BI is, as you said, one of the really large ed- educational institutions here in Norway. But about myself, I received my PhD from Hunkin in 2001 and I wrote about healthcare logistics and I became the professor of supply chain management and corporate geography in 2007. So as I said, I, I wrote about healthcare logistics and I think at that time it was a bit different still. It was at the time when we, many people were writing about cars and lean things. But I said I wanted to do something a bit different. So I guess for me, making a difference has always been really, really important. And I love research, but also especially the research that has a meaningful impact on both people and business and society. And um, that's why I started actually working from healthcare. I went over to work in humanitarian logistics. So I am actually a professor. Also, uh, for 15 years, I worked with humanitarian logistics or disaster logistics. And I can say that maybe that was during the pandemic, one of the fields that has been truly needed. So unfortunately, I don't get to do that much research nowadays, but that's still something that I burn for. But being the president of BI, of course, is is time consuming. So I am telling myself that I think that, you know, doing research will hopefully be at some point in the future something I can do. But at at this point in time, I'm focusing really on my life and on my presidency here at BI in Norway. Yes, definitely. All thank you so much for bringing us to Spain in terms of where you you've come from. Um, to know that actually you're you're Swede, you're from Sweden, isn't it? From Finland. Well, sorry, from Finland. You're from Finland, Finland all the way here now to uh, to tell us that you had to challenge yourself to go to a higher level into Norway. So this is um, amazing. And doing your uh, supply chain, congratulations on all of that work. And definitely, as you said, you are still needed in research, but there's no way you can do research and be the president of BI. <laughs> challenge <laughs> we have to agree we have to agree to that that's that's not possible you are very much needed in very many sectors i'm sure within the bi every single minute of the day actually <laughs> even if you have 24 hours you're still needed <laughs> more than the 24 hours you have oh thank you for that uh, we always want to know was that always your childhood dream career or did you find yourself growing into academia and uh, yes finding yourself in a different role or is it always what you've always dreamed to be well i actually one of the other things that i love is actually music so i wanted to be a violinist when I was young, I started playing the violin when I was four years old, and I actually really dreamt about becoming a, a musician. At some point in time, though, I did realize I wasn't probably really good enough to have a career in, in music. So I decided that, you know, I'm going to study uh, business. And so actually, it's more the latter one. I, you know, I was invited to become uh, an assistant at Hunter School of Economics, where I studied. If you want to have an academic career, one of the things that you do have to do is have your PhD done. And then when I had done that, I realized I actually love doing research. So having done research uh, for some time, I realized, okay, the next step would be to actually want to be a professor or in academia. That would be if you do want to have a research career, becoming a professor is is the, the dream, so to say. Unfortunately, there are not that many that dream about becoming the rector or the president, because when you start your research career, that's typically the thing you do. You love doing research, you love uh, focusing on that. So for many, and I've been even told sometimes, oh, Karen, so you went over to the dark side because you went over to administration. But for me, I think that having had the thought and being the dean of education, 
for me that you know I really enjoyed thinking even thinking about and thinking that okay maybe, maybe that would be the career that I want to have because I, I do like things in holistically having my logistics background and actually thinking about how can I help the whole school just not by doing research but actually also by 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 involving myself in administration. Yes, definitely. You you you're able to see the wider picture and yeah. uh, and and really strategically be influential in the direction of the business school. Yes, and and, and yes to really be influential in the strategic direction of the business school, which is so powerful. But definitely, like you said, I believe you're going to be able to uh, give more into the logistics, the supply chain area mm -hmm. when the time comes again. Tell me what's happening to the violin. Is it anything? Um, <laughs> do you have time for it? Well, I, I take my violin sometimes out, but that's not for anybody else to hear. <laughs> it's more for my own pleasure. I played at some weddings at some point, but that's for good friends. But the other thing I really loved doing was singing in the choir. So, and, and having that, I, I'm hoping that at some point again, you know, I'll be able to do that here in Norway because that's one of, one of the things I really miss, um, still being part of being able to make some music and, and having, been, you know, being there at concerts is, is a wonderful feeling. So I'm hoping that someday I'll be able to, to get back on track with my music hobbies, so to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So we also want to learn that as a striving woman, what are your ideal stellar woman attributes? One of the things I do think that's really, really great is that, first of all, I, I guess as a woman, I would love for you to trust yourself and really believe in yourself. Because if you believe in yourself and if you're able to do that, you know, you'll be able to help others too. you know, being helpful, being really, you know, one person that wants to actually make other women shine. That's what a stellar woman is all about. Not only making yourself shine, but also wanting to have others shine. That's amazing. Thank you so much for giving us those attributes. It's believing in yourself. I think it's really key, as you've said, but also thinking about others and making sure that they shine. And yeah, we would love to put those into our own perspectives as well. But believing in ourselves really is, is a key, a key changer in life. I think that's the only way you can make change in the world, if you can believe in yourself. Thank you. So we know, of course, you are the president of BI Norwegian Business School. Please share with us how you got there. I know you gave us a perspective of moving, but mm -hmm. how did you actually get there? And um, the experience, are you able to expand on it so far? It was actually a nice story around this because I worked at BI before I worked I've been here as a visiting researcher before so I knew about BI and then I knew you know what a fantastic institution it is so when I was actually then asked to apply for this position first I thought that okay um you know I, I actually really loved my job in in, in Hankin and Helsinki so I was thinking well why would I want to move then on the other hand I thought well you know what, maybe it's time also to, to take on a challenge. And this is probably an opportunity that doesn't come along many times. It is a kind of a once in a lifetime thing that comes along. So I talked to my husband about it. And he reminded me of the fact that, you know, when I had been here at BI uh, 10 years ago, when I came back and I became director at Hunkin, I had told him that, you know, there are two places that I could think about becoming director. And he told me, do you remember that you actually said that BI was one of those schools? And I said, oh, how do you remember that? And he was like, yeah, I remember it. So I think you should go for it. <laughs> so, wow. and that was, you know, with that fantastic uh, kind of, you know, support that I had, it was an obvious choice to actually think about moving because it, it does make, I mean, a lot of, difference if you have somebody who actually really believes that also that that this is a great move and this is something that we can do together and my husband being so supportive was really great so that's why I decided and that's how I got here and I have not regretted it I think it's been a fantastic experience it is quite challenging though to move to another country even though I am a Swedish speaking fan yes. so I do speak a language that's 
not the same, but it's similar to Norwegian. So I do understand quite a lot, but still it is a, you know, it's a different language. So having that background and of course coming to a school that's almost 10 times the one that I had before, um, it is challenging, but, but on the other hand, it's also so rewarding because I can see that, you know, it's a great institution that I came to and people are fantastically proud of working at BI. So yeah, so I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> oh, you have to be careful what you put out in a way. You wanted to go to BI and then things come around years down the road. It brings itself to you. Yes, it was good to have your husband to remind you about that. So there was always a good intention to be where you are at the moment. But also, like you said, stepping up to that challenge, having that support of someone who focuses your mind on where you actually need to go and where they know that you will actually thrive. It's good that you had your husband with you um, to support you. So that's really fantastic. It's very good. Very good of him. Yeah. <laughs> very good of him. Yeah, thank you for bringing us to speed. So I know that you've ranked, uh, BI has ranked, has been listed as the best executive, one of the best executive education providers globally by Financial Times ranking, actually, for 2023. So I will say again, congratulations to that. And we please, we would like you to share with us how that makes you feel and what makes BI that good? One of the things that we, makes BI so good is that, you know, there has been a focus for, I mean, BI was said, you know, um, started in 1943 as a teaching school. So the focus has been for such a long time uh, already on teaching that, you know, uh, having high quality teaching is, is one of the top priorities at BI. And I think that, you know, also being on the rankings is, is, a, is a way of proving that, that we are amongst those that deliver high quality. And so, so for us, being on the rankings is one of the things that comes with being of high quality. It's not really, you know, okay, we want to be here in the rankings, but I think it comes along with the fact that we are so focused on, on you know, providing high quality education. So with that focus, with that student-centered learning, and with that thought about being connected, which is also another thing that BI has been really, really good at focusing uh, and connect the connection, focusing on the connections to, to society overall and to businesses. I think that those are the, the qualities that are needed in order to make it on these rankings, especially in executive education. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. And is it um, that valued by the corporate world, the ranking? Yes, I, I do think that, you know, BI, actually, we have, I, I've heard that we have over 250,000 alumni. So almost every other or every third person that you talk to in business has actually done either, of course, it has an education from BI. So in that sense, in the Norwegian market, you know, we are really, really well known and we are super, you know, Everybody knows about BI, but on the internationally, I think rankings are important again, because I mean, we, if you want to be visible in the international market, both in terms of attracting faculty and students, then being in the rankings is also really important. So for a business school, it is truly an important thing to be seen. Of course, all the accreditations are important, but at the same time, the rankings are also important in terms of having the international visibility. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that. So as the president of BI Norwegian Business School, of course, you're, um, it's, we see that you're always making, going to be making decisions and women are always in these situations where they have to make decisions. You made the decision to leave Finland to go to Norway, which was a big decision for you. But now you're also making big decisions that um, affects and influence uh, the students' lives, your, your team, and also um, the wider network, the stakeholders. So we want you to share with our subscribers lessons you've learned in decision-making. I think one of the important thing, things that, most important things is that I've, I've learned is that when you make decisions, it's really important to have, to include people in that, you know, because if you're not inclusive, if every, everything is happening behind closed doors, people will not understand why those decisions were made. So even though people would, you know, even though they wouldn't agree, 
or they wouldn't like the decisions, at least they would know why that decision was made. So I, I really think that that's one of the most important things, trying to be inclusive and trying to have a broad understanding of why decisions have been made makes your life a lot easier. Now, of course, it, you will not always have, you know, people liking it, but that's just the way it is when you have big decisions to make. Well, one other thing that I think is very important is communication. And that's one of the problems. I think we all think about it a lot and we try to do our best. And yeah. still it's always like, oh, you know, there's a lack of communication. So I think that, you know, however much you communicate, I don't think that you will ever get the praise for it that you're commute or say somebody saying that you're communicating too much. <laughs> yeah. So I yes. think that's probably key also to trying to, to, to find different channels, different ways of people to, to get the message. But also, but I do also think that, that and one of, or one of the things I thought about is that, you know, People also have to take the responsibility for actually being active and trying to find, you know, why the decisions have been made. So it's not always just about us communicating, but it's also about people in the organization and trying to understand that, okay, there's kind of a responsibility, you know, works both ways. I think these are at least, you know, things that I, I've learned and, and, and I said, you know, I don't think I still communicate enough so that I still have a way to go there, <laughs> but I'm trying. And, you know, we're trying to figure out ways to, to do things always better. Yes. Thank you very much. You're always wanting to strive to go to the next level. So yeah. we've learned two main things. Um, one of them is inclusive, um, inclusivity, just making sure that you include as many people as you can in the decision-making process so that they know why the decision was made. They don't have to always agree, but they need to know why the decision was made by the other is communication that is effective communication to ensure that people get the message whichever yes. way you can define effective <laughs> communication thank you very much uh, so you are in a unique position to impact decision making of course both in business and in politics and um, through cutting edge research, knowledge sharing, ability to provide future leaders with strong analytical and operational skills. This was part of your contribution um, in an article that was written by the Harvard uh, Business Publishing in regards to the what the future holds for higher education institutions. Please elaborate on this. Business schools will actually really prove indispensable if we're supposed to succeed in solving the greatest challenges we face, of course, including climate change and wealth gaps and global energy transition. And we are living in, in insecure times. I think business schools truly can be powerful arenas for the dialogue and open and critical debate. And I think we are really truly in a unique position to impact decision making. As you said, through our research, which is, you know, something that's so important these days that there is something that we can believe in and, you know, something to actually understand or know that this is really, you know, fact-based. It comes from reliable sources in these days when, when it's so difficult to, to discern between what's right and what's wrong. So I think through research that we're making, we can actually make a true, really big impact. Then, of course, through also knowledge sharing and educating the future leaders. And I think that's one of the big things that we have to think about, that we're educating our leaders to actually also understand how to discern about what's right and wrong, but at the same time, provide them with really strong analytical and operational skills that are relevant uh, in all sectors and industries. I just actually talked to a high-end CEO today and one of the things he really pointed out is that these these are skills that are needed regardless of which sub subject you actually uh, uh, take in the business school. So another thing I think is that what we need to really do is also we need to uh, think about our students how to how or how to empower them to actually make societal impact. So thinking about research that also has societal impact. And that's really one of the big key issues now in looking at how business schools globally are thinking. It's not about making research that's only impact. It's only important for us in academia. It's really making research that has a great societal impact. 
That's very good. Thank you for sharing that. Wow, it's powerful. And it really makes us understand how to, if you're in the business school uh, at all or any educational institution, this this was a really key aspect that you, you shared at that point, uh, which um, is going to make people think differently. We are educating leaders. I like that. And we also have to make sure that we can make continuously do the research that makes an impact in the world. And also we can see that ensuring, because that's fact best, instead of looking at what people are just responding to, anyone can be an influencer today, but business schools have the power to utilize the knowledge that they have the expertise to make a difference where people can be directed in their thinking, where they, yeah, the general society can change, but also empowering students to do research that has societal impact. I love that very much. <laughs> I really love that. Um, because as people are thinking about so much about money, there's something about um, things that are going to affect the world in a different way. And really we have to direct the minds to think about those implications on society and, and making a change in that one business schools definitely have the power to do that. Thank you very much for that. That was very, very good. Thank you. Um, so tell us again, as we have just so many things we have to learn from you, Karen, <laughs> <laughs> and we're grateful for that. Uh, what key lessons could you share with you, um, from your experience with other women leaders that can help them succeed just as a leader? What are some of the things that women need? Women should just believe in themselves. I mean, so many people are asking me, so Karen, how does it feel to be the first female president of BI? Because that's in fact who I am. You know, I'm the first female president of BI in 80 years. Mm -hmm. And then I start to think, then I've told them, you know what? I don't think about myself as the first female president. I think about myself as Karen, as the president of BI. So, you know, believing in yourself and actually, you know, thinking that, okay, I could be the president just as well as anybody else. I think that's really key to, to success. But at the same time, I do think, as I said, you know, earlier on, it's, it's really also important that we want to, as women, we want to support other women. So I've always thought that, you know, if I, if I am going to, to, to shine, I want also others to shine around me. So it's not about just me. It's actually about all the other people that we can have around us and, and support them to become even better. So and then because, because supporting them to become better means that I will become better. So I think that's really one key lesson. It's not only about me. And it's not about me always thinking about being female, but I do think that in terms of trying to make other females give them support and making them shine, I think that's the way we can actually support more women to becoming what they were they want to be. Thank you very much. So yes, definitely taking us back to the same, it is about believing in yourself to be that person that you want to be, but also making sure you elevate other women, support other women, make them shine. Thank you very much. So this issue is about striving for excellence. When we hear the word striving for excellence, I think each of us can have a perspective towards these uh, big words. But what does it mean to you? And do you strive for excellence in both your personal and professional life? At BI, we have excellence in our strategy. So in a, in a way, excellence feels like, you know, that's kind of in the DNA of the school, that that's both operational and both teaching excellence and research excellence that we were, that we're striving for. So, but thinking about my personal life, I'm not really sure. I've thought about excellence in that sense. I've more thought about maybe having the work-life balance and thinking about, you know, how to actually be able to to have a family and a, a husband, of course, the things that I'm doing great also at home and that I actually am at home also with them. So having work-life balance and, and so, so that's actually maybe excellence to me that actually uh, I am there also for my family. So I haven't thought about it that much being excellent in, in personal life. And I, I guess I don't strive to be excellent in personal life. I really just strive to be there for myself. To be there for your family. Yes, yes. And I think that can be 
the interpretation of, of excellence because the moment you're there for them when they need you, you know, you've done a great job. You've really done a great job. <laughs> Yes, um, definitely. We do get to in terms of BS DNA as well. And that's why they are, you are where you are today. So um, tell us more, uh, how important is it to align your team to this aim of excellence? And how are you able to lead your team to be consistent on the notion of excellence? I think one of the things that's truly important, of course, with thinking about teamwork is that we all have the similar goal. So if we're all very clear about the common goal and and um, and I include them in decision making, you know, I think that that's kind of the at the outset of thinking about excellence, that we all want to do our best. And as I said, we do have excellence in our strategy and op operations and in teaching. So and having a common definition on that in strategy makes at least makes it easier to see that the team wants to strive for the same thing. Uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're always of the same opinion, but at least we know, I think we know where we're going. And you all agree together to get there yes. as a team. That's very yes. good. Thank you. And what are the obstacles that you see um, that are in the way of excellence for BI? I really do think that it very much boils down to having the, this common goal. So if that common goal is kind of, you know, is people don't understand that, you, you don't perceive it, you're, or, and you don't think really about, you know, us, you think more about yourself, then I think we're, we will be in problems. So I think silo thinking, that's probably one of the things that's very easily or and easily happens in a big, in a big, large organization. So I think even more importantly, it's really to think about something that I've actually launched something that I've called our BI, uh, because I, I do think that, you know, people need to have a sense of belonging. And of course, at the same time, you know, everybody needs to know that where we're going. But, but so silo thinking takes away from that. So as a logistics professor, I think it's really important to think about the holistic picture and having people understand that this is important for us. It's just not important for me, but it's important for us. And that the goals that we want to achieve, um, that, that they are all perceived as important for the organization and that people understand what their role is in order to, to achieve those goals. So not having that, not having people doing their best and not understanding the, the, the whole picture, I think is that's probably uh, the, obst the biggest obstacle as I see it. Definitely, I get you. Thank you very much. So it's all about ensuring that people understand their role as players and they understand the goals. They, they know uh, where we all need to go and what is your role in ensuring arrival for that. Um, thank you. And you aligning it to what you are being in logistics, being surprised. <laughs> thinking about the holistic, the whole thing backward and forward, all through, yeah, makes it really, it makes, I think it has helped me understand how even you can pull that knowledge to your leadership, because that's all you think about. It's always the whole holistic approach. You're able to align different things that will make it possible uh, for the business school to arrive to excellence. You know, people typically have thought about uh, business school leaders as coming from finance or yes. or economics. But one of the things that I realize is that with my background, exactly like in logistics, you do understand really. You you know you know you're thinking about the whole, and it, it makes it easier to 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 think about you know that these are this what's good for the whole school, not just only what's good for one part of the school or one. Or, you know, one part of the organization, but really thinking about it holistically. That's true. I had not uh, also thought about it that way, but once you related, I thought, oh my goodness, this is how actually logistics works. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about everything in a holistic way, and then it makes you actually a different leader coming with that sort of perspective to yeah. your profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Because some of them are really tunnel oriented. They just, some professions just dig deep into one line. But um, logistics, of course, looks at the whole uh, perspective. And if you're going to bring value, you're going to have to think about all the dimensions and put them into alignment to make it possible. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you very much. Um, and I think, I, I don't know whether that has something to do with what we're going to ask you about how to improve. How do you go about improving excellence in a large institution like BI? I think one of the most important things is that, that you know, we talked about BI being big in executive education is that we actually really encourage also people to do at BI also to do lifelong learning. Because I think nowadays, you know, when, when with all these big things happening and with chat GPT and everything, if, if we're not on top of that, I do think, you know, striving for excellence will, or that will not be possible unless we are actually on top of what we're doing and of course on top of what we're teaching. So I think it's really about also uh, encouraging people to take part in continuous education, continuing education, and all of us trying to, to understand also what, what's going on in order to deliver excellence, both in research, of course, and, then, and to deliver excellence in teaching. So, for example, we've actually had at BI now the possibility for two people to join uh, our EMBA program. And of course, taking also other courses. And I encourage people to take leadership courses and having mentors and coaches. And one of the things I do actually myself is also I have now now co coaches for myself because I do think that you know, uh, in order to be even better, I think that there are so many things that you have to think about that maybe you just need support in that and that and having people. Um, take courses and then having mentors and coaches and, and all of that. I think that helps a lot in thinking about moving us forward. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that. It, it, it helps to ensure arrival for excellence for any progress that you have to make. So now the pandemic we know affected many businesses and higher education was a part of those businesses that were affected. What was your experience at BI? Well, I only started here in August, so I was actually not there at the at BI when, when the pandemic hit. I was still working at Hunken then. From what I've heard is that BI did really well in terms of, of turning over from being a school that had a lot of uh, in-class teaching to actually being really just online. So I think the digital lead, well, we did it both in Finland, but I, I know that BI especially, the digital leap that was made was, was just amazing. And I just heard uh, one student last week um, when we had our 80th anniversary saying that BI was so good in kind of having this transition in just such a short time. So I think that BI really did well because I've as said, heard that the students were so happy and that's why I think that BI was prepared, but on the other hand also had the resources and the, the maybe even the people at BI were really, really engaged and wanting to do to do that for the students. So it was all possible because of the spirit that, that was there um, during the pandemic. Oh, fantastic. Well done to them. Uh, yes, I think they had the structures, the infrastructure, but also yeah. maybe the people and the attitude of the people was moving forward, how we move forward instead of being drawn backwards. Thank you. Exactly. So we would like to know um, many things. Uh, of course, we want to know, how does success look like to you, Karen? <laughs> you know, success can be measured in many different ways. And of course, we can look at success in rankings or success um, in other measures like that. But for me, I do think that happy people uh, is really and happy, uh, happy students and happy ha faculty and staff uh, even when times are difficult, is that it, that's really success to me. And people who uh, still feel or feel that they want to contribute to the school and are proud of the school, uh, and and really, you know, when when they talk about BI, they talk about the fantastic school we are. That's actually what I think success is. That's very good. That's very good. So one of the things that impacts women uh, from going for higher levels of uh, leadership or changing career or anything that they aspire for is a fear of failure. First of all, tell us what does what meaning do you have for failure? 
And then also tell us, um, maybe let's first hear from you in terms of what you think failure is. Stella, one of the things I, I, I really think that I, I've never thought that much about failure because I've not been afraid of failure. I think that uh, that one of the things that probably is, as you're saying, it, it stops women from dreaming big when you're when you have this fear of failure. But I guess one of the things I've really, really had a very supportive family and, and we've never been, you know, punished or even kind of um, we've even been supporting to try and, you know, try and fail. And I think that's really important that, you know, you have the support and you have the structures and you have other women there also helping you if you fail. So I've never thought about failure that much. And, and I, I guess working in academia is not as risky, for example, as being an entrepreneur, because it's not really about money. Uh, it's more about your own development if you fail. So I guess having a career in academia, maybe it's, it's not as risky in that sense. And so I think that maybe maybe just really saying that I'm, I have never thought about failure that much, and I've not been afraid of failure. But I do think that women need to support each other and maybe even really be happy for others when they su succeed and support them when they fail. Maybe women are afraid because others are not supportive enough when another woman fails. I don't know. Maybe that's why. So we need to be more supportive of others when they fail. Okay. Or when they don't do well. But I like your perspective. You've never thought about failure as failure maybe because you've been supported to always just go for it and nobody has interpreted your trial as a failure if at all you didn't go to another level I think it's all about perspectives that we put around that effort that someone has made in terms of doing something other people attach failure others are just like you've done it even just participating is good enough for many people to celebrate, yeah, that might start. Yeah. Yes, yes. But it's good to have a supportive uh, family. I think you end up being empowered to always go for it. You always don't focus on the failure. You always focus on participation, doing it, whatever it is that you put your mind to. It makes it change. Yeah, yeah and another thing, you know, I've, I've worked as a mentor myself for young, uh, other young females. So I, I think, you know, that being a mentor teaches you so much about yourself and but it also teaches you of course about the the other ones that you're you're mentoring and and so being supportive and talking about failure that it's not you know the end of the world if you fail that's really important so i do think that we need to support each other uh, more and that failure is part of life but it's not the end of the world I think that makes it really important for us to hold on to that. Uh, thank you for that. So have you really uh, not succeeded in something? And what was it? How are you able to just get up and continue? Well, um, yes, I failed also, as everybody has done. And actually, um, one of my thoughts about, you know, what I wanted to do with my career um, at some point, I, I actually thought I wanted to be a diplomat. I went into the, I had these, all these interviews and all things. And I was really, I came quite long in the process, but of course I did not <laughs> become a diplomat. And I think that for me, later on, I always think that, okay, you know, maybe it was actually a good thing what happened to me, that a failure can also as you perceive at that point, of course, it's really tough that it's a failure. I didn't get to do whatever I really at that point thought I, I wanted to do. But on the other hand, it was the right thing to happen. So I, I always, you know, think that, well, you know, there are sometimes things that actually are not meant to be. And that was not meant to be. Instead, it was meant to be something or there was something something else waiting for me in mind. So making a failure to a positive success, I think it's it, and thinking about it later on. Maybe that was not the thing to happen. I think that's really important. Yes. Yes. You're able to let go. That was that. that's really a good one because yeah. it's not meant to be if you have that perspective. No and that there's something else coming your way. Fantastic, thank you. What challenges have you faced during this journey of achieving, getting to where you are today, and how have you overcome them? Well, I think that, you know, 
for me, maybe one of the most important things has also been that, you know, I take one day at a time. So if you have challenging, challenging times, which all of, I, all of us have, uh, especially um, in those times, and, and one of the things I, I do think it's uh, maybe it's even a failure. I, I sometimes thought about it as a failure if, if actually if you have to, uh, if you have to let people go. And those are things that as a, you know, sometimes just happen. And, and I've thought about that, you know, okay, that that's really, that's a challenge for me and, and actually overcoming that challenge to be able to actually move forward because I really, really hate, hate, hate the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it feels like it, I'm personally responsible for that failure and for not actually having, not having been able to help that person enough to, to be part of the, the organization anymore. I think that that's for me. That's truly one of the things that's been challenging. But at the same time, of course, I also think that, well, you need to be able to move forward even though you have these big challenges and you have to think about how to how to also be able to, to manage that yourself and how to overcome those So and be able to move forward. I don't know. Um, I, I always think that I'll try to do my best and, and I'll, you know, sometimes you have challenges and you have failures. But if you always just still want to do your best and also you're able to forgive yourself if things don't go the way they should, I think that's, you know, something that, that can make you really move forward and, and being even more successful. Fantastic. Living one day at a time, doing your best and forgiving yourself if things don't go well. I think it's one, the things you've given us there, I just, they just propel you forward, really. No. Thank you very much. Now, let's imagine that we give you the magic magic wand. What change would you like to see in the world? One of the things I thought about, what we're seeing today and happening in in, in this world is a lot about just people thinking about, about, it's about me, myself, and I. And I would like for things to be less about just me, myself, and I. I would like for things to be just more about us overall, more about us, you know, as a society and more about us, re- us really uh, together overcoming uh, the things that we have in front of us. So I, I mean, in order to actually combat climate change, I think it needs to be really more about us. I would want everybody to think about that instead, <laughs> about us and not just about me. Definitely, that's a change maker. I love that. I love that. I haven't had that here but on the show, but it's good to hear that one. It's not about me, myself and I. It's about us, and that will be a big change, I'm sure. Um, thank you for that. Now, we know that your husband helped you, and there have been other people who have helped you all the way to get to the top. Are there women who have helped you? I have several women who have helped me. I talked about my husband a lot. And in fact, I also had a very supportive dad. I think he was probably one of my biggest supporters and always telling me to go on, so to say. But my father passed away. And then actually my mother stepped in and and she said that even though she always doesn't understand what I'm doing and she doesn't really know that much about what I'm doing, She's always saying, like, I'll try to tell you, please just go on, because that's what your father would have told you to do. So she's in, she's in actually, she's 88 years old already. And she's just a fantastic person, you know, really trying to, to be, be there for me. That is something, you know, that I really admire, to, to have that kind of courage and have that kind of happiness about even me going, moving to Norway. Because yeah. I know that it was truly, truly very sad for her when I said that, okay, I'm going to move to Norway. Because we, you know, that we during the pandemic, we became, of course, I and mean, we had a lot. We were trying to keep in contact and keep in touch as much as possible. But of course, moving to Norway was a, was a difficult time for her. But even at that point in time, she still said, go on. So I really love that. <laughs> Fantastic. It's good to have a mom. It's cheering. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so you've given us a few things in terms of what hinders women. Um, it was more about believing themselves and also having trust. Do you think there's anything else? Because we really want always to tap from other women everything that can be related 
to their lives so that they can see perspectives. One of the things I've, I've thought about a lot is that women are so critical about themselves. As I said in the beginning, we don't believe, you know, sometimes we, we're, we don't believe in ourselves and sometimes we're even our biggest own critics. So I really would love for, for women to kind of, you know, as we, and we talked about failure also, to kind of just believe in themselves and, and not be that critical. Because sometimes I, I do think that, you know, and other women are also critical of other women, that maybe we just need to think about trying to help and trying to support each other. Because I do think that that if we are going to get more people on top, women need to be more supportive of each other and not just be critical of other women. So yeah. that's definitely something I really would like like to to hear other women hooraying more for other women and being happy for them if they actually succeed. If they're happy to be happy and to be supportive, being less critical of other people's performance as well. Thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, thank you, Karin, for that. Now we want to know where do we see Karin in the next five to ten years? Oh dear, dear. Um yeah, I hopefully will have some grandchildren by that time. <laughs> I see myself being maybe a grandma who takes care of not only just the close family that I have right now, but also maybe a bigger family. But at the same time, I also do see myself hopefully uh, maybe having tasks in society. Uh, I love voluntary work. I think that that's at least something I, I should do and could be doing. Or maybe still also active as board member because I'm I'm active in different boards. I do see myself hopefully in a in the role of being part of a, a family, you know, also, but at the same time contributing to society with with what I have. If I don't continue, of course, as the president here at BI, which is of, of course also possible. It's we have two times four. Uh, the term is two times four years. So maybe as president of BI, but in 10 years, definitely more as the grandmother and maybe having another role in society. Oh, fantastic. Definitely in 10 years, we can see that uh, happening. Uh, how many children do you have? I have two. Oh. And I have, yeah, I have a daughter who just married a year ago. So she, yeah, but she told me, I was kind of saying, well, so when do I get to have grandchildren? And she looks at me and goes like, well, mom, you'll still have to wait a few years. <laughs> Definitely in 10 years, you should be having some grandchildren. <laughs> so those to spoil, those to spoil. <laughs> I know you, you know how to uh, think about work-life balance. You think about it, but how do you create it? Is that how? that women want to learn. Are you able to share how you're able to integrate and make it possible? You know, one of the things I always tell people is to go home. <laughs> Don't stay at work. I've been pretty bad at that myself. You know, I've been, and that's one of the things I've been trying to think about recently. Okay, just because, you know, if you are at the workplace and you like to be at the workplace as I do, sometimes the days just, you know, they're just, they're just getting too long. So then, especially when my husband is here with me and the dog is here with me, then I think that, okay, I will actually go home and I will not feel guilty about going home and not feel guilty about leaving things. They will not go away. I will actually feel good about doing something else. And so I think th there's a lot about that. You know, we we women are always so we're, you know, we want to do our best and we want to do this and we still want to do that. I do think that it's also about wanting to take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself because otherwise life will be too difficult <laughs> if if you don't actually have some kind of work-life balance. So I try to go for long walks, for example, with the dog. And of course, in both in Finland and in Norway, it's really easy to go to forest. And I think somebody in Japan even called this forest therapy. <laughs> I don't know. I call it maybe forest therapy or dog therapy or something. That really helps, you know, to have time to think for yourself and doing that. But also, of course, then having and doing things together with your family is really important. But you need to want to do these things. So think about it actively. Don't feel guilty about leaving work and try to actually also um, balance 
uh, in a way, you know, what what you have at home and also, but also what you have at work. Definitely, I can see that. Uh, thank you very much. And when you tell me you're from Finland and I have that perspective of, um, of how children, I watched this documentary, how children are raised um, really is so much about uh, I think the forest school idea here in the UK started from those uh, countries where kids, um, it was copied from there, where yeah. kids learn from outdoors and then they come indoors later on in life. And the fact that generalist Canadian countries are so much oriented into family. So yeah. I can see um, the way in which you're approaching it is you think about it and you value it. You value it. So that's that's something we can all learn from because sometimes there's a drive to go and achieve these goals. But you've taught us to take care. And the way you said it for me, it was so <laughs> it, it, it was well like this is a warning for you. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I picked up on the tone. It was like, ah, I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm getting it now. I'm getting it so clearly. I hope all our uh, subscribers are going to get uh, get it. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Karen can get the time to take care of herself when she's really leading this big institution. You too can get the time to really do that. It's important to do that. So if you were back in time, what key lessons would you give your 15-year-old self? I think I would give the same lessons to myself as my dad he really gave to me. And he said, he always said, well, Karen, you can do anything that you want. So I would actually share with my 15-year-old that believe in what your dad said. <laughs> you can do anything that you want. Believe in yourself. And of course, also do the best that you can. And that doing the best you can, that's really enough also. Believe in yourself. You can do anything and do the best you can. I think those are enough. Those are enough for any human being. <laughs> <laughs> enough for all of us. Thank you. I need to wear them, put them on a bandana or a necklace. <laughs> They're perfect. They're perfect. Thank you very much. So do you have a life mantra? Well, I guess, you know, my life, my life mantra would, would really be the one that I, the one thing that I said, that you can do anything that you want. But I guess for, if we look at, you know, leadership and, and thinking about, you know, what I've done at BI, I've, we've talked about uh, listen, learn, lead. And that's, I do think that that's really important. And I've heard so many people telling, okay, Karen, that's really great that you actually came into the organization wanting to listen and wanting to learn and then saying, okay, and now it's time to lead. Because if you don't have an understanding for the organization, if you don't listen, if you don't have the big ears, you wouldn't know what's going on. And leading is so much more easy or so much easier if you actually then uh, listen to what's happening in the organization and also then, but of course you have to prioritize, but leading based on what you have listened and learned is that's maybe my life mantra or leading mantra. <laughs> Definitely, I think it's a, it's a, it would change anything if you listen and then yeah. learn and then lead. Wow, yeah. that's perfect, that's perfect. That's perfect leadership, isn't it? Yeah, because you've listened and then you've learned and then you've decided to to lead from those lessons now before we leave we would like you to leave one um, challenge for our subscribers and listeners to help them strive for excellence what challenge would you leave them i would give them the challenge that never give up believe in yourself but also show support and believe in others and especially of course women in other women <laughs> <laughs> believe in yourself never give up believe in yourself and be there and support other women shine yes yes, yes. make them shine <laughs> yes thank you so much Karen for your time 
Thank you so much for sharing these experiences, sharing your knowledge, being generous as you have been, um, integrating your busy life schedule with us. Thank you so much. It has been really an honor having you here on oh, the show. Thank you, Stella, so much for having me. It was an honor to be here. Thanks a lot. So it has been me, uh, Stella, um, Stella Olivia Kikoyo, here, your host of the Stella Woman Show and also your editor for the Stella Woman magazine. This is issue nine, which is coming out soon. And we've been having an honor and a privilege of having Karen Spence, who is the president of a Norwegian BI um, school in Norway. So thank you so much, Karen. Until next time. Have a great time, everyone. And remember to tap into the knowledge and use it, make a change and thrive in your life. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Stellar Woman Magazine and show's mission to spread thriving women's stories, knowledge and experiences so that you too can learn one or two things, be inspired, empowered to change and thrive. We change one woman at a time. This, we believe, will help to make the world a better and brighter world. I hope today's episode inspired you to change perspective, see new possibilities, and take action so that you can become the stellar woman that you would like to be. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to go to the Stellar Woman Show and Magazine website for transcripts and more. Also, please remember to subscribe, review, and share with others, and follow us on all social media platforms. Have a great day. We look forward to catching up with you on the next episode.